Hello, everybody. This is your girl, Donna D, a.k.a. The Urban Mommy, and I am back with another podcast. Today, we are going to be, it's all about Africa. So we are embracing Mother Africa, and I am joined by Ezzy, and he is going to give us lots of information. So make sure y'all stick with us all into the, to the end, because there's a lot of questions that most of us have, and I think I'm going to get them today. Welcome, Ezzy. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you inviting me on. Of course, no problem. Okay, so like, let's to get started. I always ask my guests to introduce themselves. So, who is Ezzy as a person? Okay, uh, my name is. Uh, it is now. I, I legally changed my name once I connected to my ancestral roots. So it's Richard Kweku Eziagu Akiyemi, and of course, Richard is English. It means powerful ruler. Kweku is from the Fanti and Akan tribes, but my particular one is Fanti tribe of Ghana. And it means Wednesday born. The Ghanaians have spirit names. So a lot of Ghanaians give their children a first name uh, commensurate with the day of the week spirit name. And Kweku means born on Wednesday. Uh, Eziagu is Igbo from Nigeria, and it means king of lions. And Akiyemi is Yoruba from Nigeria, and it means warrior king well suited to power. So if someone says my name, Richard Kweku Eziagu Akinyemi, what they've said is powerful ruler, born on Wednesday, uh, king of lions, warrior king well suited to power. Wow, okay. So you legally changed your name. So where are you from? Where were you born? I was born in the United States. So I, I'm, I'm African-American. Um, okay. And uh, for 50 something years, I that's all I knew, you know, African-American or whatever name we had, you know, Negro, colored, black, African-American, now BIPOC. Uh, so that's all I knew because, of course, we know we were all disconnected through no fault of our own uh, through because of the legacy of enslavement. Uh, but on in 2013, November 2013, I went to Nigeria with my longtime uh, doctor, primary care physician, who was Nigerian. And the people basically told me that I was Nigerian. They uh, they asked me and I said, well, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm African-American. Uh, I have to do some DNA. You know, the, the slavery thing happened. Uh, they said, you are an Igbo man. I tell you, you're an Igbo. Well, that's what the Igbos told me. And then the Yoruba said, no, 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 you have Yoruba features. I believe you're a Yoruba man. So when I came home and did my DNA, it actually confirmed that on my father's side, I am Igbo and Yoruba. And on my mother's side, I'm uh, Ghanaian Fati. Wow. So which test did you do? Um, well, I, I recommend African ancestry to people because it gives them the, the tribes. Um, and I did not know about African ancestry at the time. So I don't like to tell the one I did because this one particular one has actually allowed uh, certain government agencies to scrub their database without our permission. They don't, they don't destroy your DNA. African ancestry destroys your DNA. So that's why I recommend people go to African ancestry because they'll get what they really are, not just, you know, I'm so much percent of this country and so much percent of that country, which is nice, but it doesn't tell you the tribe and you gotta connect to the culture with the tribe. Um, so that's why I recommend uh, going to African ancestry for that. Okay. Um, so 
what part of America did you grow up in? I grew well, I grew up in two parts. I grew up in the north and then we moved to the south. And so that was a bit of a culture shock. Um, but you know, I actually like I like both of them, but I think I like the South better because the South, uh, the the atmosphere, you know, and then I got into college football because in the North, college football is not really nearly as big. Maybe maybe Penn State, but I, you know, the, the, the other states, you know, it's, it's just not as big as it is in the South. Yeah. I never completely in a religion like some people do, but um, but it's fun, you know, it's really fun. Okay, so how do you think that helped? to shape you into who you are today, growing up in, we'll use the South, for example? Well, uh, I think the way that it helped to shape me into who I am today is, uh, my, my mom was from the South, okay? She, so all the time we were in the North, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that most uh, people who are African-American anyway can relate to their parents telling them at the earliest possible age that uh, you are black and you're beautiful, but in this country, you have two strikes against you. People will not like you just because of the color of your skin. Uh, even though you've not done anything to them and you know, you've know you not been in any way negative or derogatory, but they just are not gonna like you. So I remember my mother telling all of the children, all of my brothers and sisters at the earliest possible age that we can remember. Uh, and then of course we heard how, when we moved to the South, we heard that it was extremely racist in the South and I, I can say actually my first experience with racism was actually in the North, in New York actually. So I think I, I've seen it on both sides. But I think that what when, when I went to, the high school that I went to, the teacher gave us one book that I remember above all others and that's Soul on Ice by Eldridge Cleaver. I don't know if you're familiar with that book, but no. I, highly, I highly recommend reading that book because when you look at the things that are going on with the institutionalized racism and the, the um, roles that they try to project on black men and black women, white men and white women, uh, Eldridge Cleaver does an excellent job of explaining that. And when once you see what he has to say in that book and you look at the television shows and things like that, it's still true to this day. And I think he wrote that book in the 60s. What's the name of it again? It's a Soul on Ice by Eldridge Cleaver. You can probably, I mean, it may be in libraries, unless of course it uh, got caught up in the wave of uh, people that uh, are trying banned to remove black history across the country. And yeah, I, don't, I don't know if it was on the list of banned books or not. Okay, so I know that you say that you are a visceral connections coach. Yes. What is that? Okay, so you know, a visceral connection is actually more than just of, of the mind. Uh, I believe it's even more than emotion. I believe it gets on the spiritual level. Uh, I had a visceral connection when I visited Badagri Beach. Badagri Beach in Nigeria is, it's, it's a suburb of Lagos. Lagos is the biggest city in, in Africa and also the biggest city in Nigeria and and Badagari is the point of no return in Nigeria for all everybody who's done a DNA and they say or somebody told them that they have Nigerian and they look like they're Nigerian anybody that has Nigerian DNA our ancestors were taken through Badagari that's the last place that their foot touched the African continent uh, 
uh, the continental African continent, because there was a little island they took them to, but I'm talking about connected to the continent was Badagri. And so when I got there, uh, it was just, it was more than, it was more than emotional. I, I think it was spiritual because that's where I got the poem, It's In Your DNA, uh, that's in the book. And it's actually the foundation for the book. Uh, and so, it, it, you know, with tears streaming down my eyes, you know, you, of course you think about your ancestors and, and all that went through because there's a there's a slave relics museum there. And we got to see the chains and how heavy the chains were that they would put on their necks. And the fact that they had little things, even for little kids, that they would, would uh, metal uh, steel that would put on their lips. And, and, and they would show us how they had to drink out of this big half barrel that had these ragged, these rugged ed edges, and they would only get allowed to drink once a day. And then they said some of them, when they were pressing in, it would cut their necks and the blood would go in and they just, they had to drink the bloody water. And uh, so it was just so sad, you know, hearing that, of course. But then it just, to me, it, it's another level. Visceral is on a spiritual level. I believe that just like you can pull out a compass and it always points to north, I believe the DNA in us has kind of a system like that in us so that when my DNA got back to where my ancestors experienced that trauma, that even though it's been generations, it's still registered on the DNA. And I think that's when, you know, because so many people have said they, they just have such a response that they don't, you know, they don't know where it's coming from and things like that. And they used the term, I think my ancestors were waiting for me. And, uh, you know, some people believe that, but I believe we brought them with us in our DNA. Okay, so where was that museum you said? Uh, it's in Badagri, Nigeria. B B A Badagri B B A D A G R Y is Badagri, um, Badagri basically. It's not Badagri, it's Badagri, and it's it's a suburb of Lagos. Uh, so, okay. have you ever heard about the slave museum in Boston? I have not. No. I believe it's I believe it is Boston. I've been I've went to Boston and I didn't get a chance to go there, but there's a, a slavery museum there and they actually have one of the slave ships. So you okay. can go inside and you can see the way, you know, how the conditions basically to see how many people were laying on top of each other. So you can actually mm -hmm. see that in Boston. I mean this was years ago, but I'm I'm right. sure it's still there. But um, And you know the legacy museum in Montgomery. Uh, if you've not been to Montgomery, I tell people all the time, uh, if you, I, I even tell international people, I said, when you go to the United States, you need to go to Montgomery to the Legacy Museum because the Legacy Museum is the most detailed explanation of what we experienced, our, our ancestors experienced in the uh, Jim Crow enslaved and the, to the Jim Crow, to the mass incarceration. It's really comprehensive. And I tell people, you know, budget at least four hours for that and then there's the only lynching lynching memorial in the in the in the united states there also and they, they have the names of everybody that they know that was lynched the county that they were lynched in and the, it's just so unique because the, the the square rectangular metal that they have these etched and into are actually hanging from the ceiling. You know, none of them is touching the ground, kind of like the way they hang people's ropes. So they're hanging them from the ceiling to give you that same kind of idea. So it's very, very moving. Um, and and, and those, those are both in Montgomery, Alabama. Wow. And I, I never 
I never knew that. I never realized. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been to Alabama several times. I think I even have family that lives in Montgomery and Mobile. And oh, I okay. never knew that. So I'm, I'm glad you told me that because I definitely want to go and I want to take my kids because, as you know, all this stuff that's going on with history and they're taking it away, I try to, you know, at least let my kids know so much because it's going it's gonna to kind of go back to the way it was before when a lot of our history was oral history. So we have mm -hmm. to survive. Okay. And you may want to do those two on different days because uh, I'm telling you, when you go into the Legacy Museum, budget at least three and a half, four hours there because it's it's going to be overwhelming. It, it's going to really be overwhelming. Wow. Okay, yeah, because we this summer we did the slave plantation in in Louisiana, not not far mm -hmm. from New Orleans. So I did take them to a slave plantation so that they can see, you know. I try to keep, you know, I try to keep it going on. So mm -hmm. earlier you alluded to the fact that we have so many names as black people with the Negro right. colored and first of all, what is BIPOC or whatever that is. And why do you think we have all of those names? Okay, so BIPOC is uh, the new one, the new seat they want us to sit in. It's uh, Black Indigenous People of Color, B-I-P-O-C, BIPOC. Um, and I think the reason that we have all of these names is because we were violently disconnected from our culture and heritage. You remember, we remember Roots, the story, the great story of the, you know, Alex Haley and his family. And that was just such a wonderful story of how they, against all odds, maintained their African culture. Uh, we have been removed from our African culture. And so I, I kind of liken it to the full moon. When we see a full moon, it's beautiful. Songs have been written about it. And we all look up and gaze at the sky and just, you know, are really satisfied to see it. But there's a part of that moon just as big as what we see that's dark, the dark side of the moon. And uh, it's a great analogy for African-Americans because we have this rich culture that's been copied all over the world. Uh, our, our, our jazz, I call our jazz American classical because it's loved all over the world. We see people of all uh, different, yeah kindreds and colors basically uh, loving and playing even playing jazz uh but but we we have even though we have this great rich copy culture there's another side to us that we don't know just like when i went to nigeria and people were asking me you know are you that are you Igbo? are you are you europe they were asking me they, they asked you what what people what tribe that you belong to uh and of course we don't know i mean and there's over 47 million of us in the United States. And then when you add uh, Canada, the Caribbean, and Central and South America, it's over yeah. 200 million. And that's not even talking about the other half of the world. Over 200 million of us that, just like, just like me, didn't, didn't know, uh, I couldn't answer it because I didn't know until I had my DNA done. Uh, so, so yeah, and, and so that I think that's why we have all of these different names because you know, we're the only Americans that have uh, this, are, are called by a continent. You see, Africa is a continent. There's 54 countries. You know, other people, you take somebody from Europe, they, they, we might, we might refer to them collectively as European Americans, but when they refer to themselves, they say, I'm a German American, or I'm a Spanish American, or I'm a Italian American, Sweden, right? right. Uh, or, you know, I'm, I'm from England. So they, they, they identify with their countries. But we say African-American, but yet the average one of us has not tried African food. 
you know, because we've been totally disconnected. So I'm telling people it's time to reject the lies of yesterday and to embrace the greatness in our DNA. That's part of the poem that God gave me uh, on, on when I had that visceral experience on the sands of Badagri Beach, at the, the point of no return in Nigeria. Right. And I'm, I really want to do, I did the other test, the DNA test, but I really want to do the African one because I'm really curious to know, like, what I look like. Like, where am I? Where am I really from? Like, where's my mm-hmm. family? And yes, and when Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. And I was saying, so many different countries, and we, we, even though some people say we all look the same, you know, we look so different. We so do. I'm, I'm really curious. I, I've even seen differences between the Igbos, the Yorubas, you know, the Igbos the and the Yorubas are two of the largest people group in Nigeria, as well as the houses. The houses, the Igbos and the Yorubas are the three largest uh, people groups that some call also tribes in Nigeria. But I tell people it's great to get, you know, it's, 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 it's one thing to get the country test because at least you know more than you knew before, okay? You know, you know I'm mostly from Nigeria because I heard Shannon Sharp recently say that he learned he was 90-something percent from Nigeria. And wow. I just tagged him in one of my posts to say, hey, Shannon, you know, if you're Nigerian, then we, we, we might be cousins. cousins. But, uh, <laughs> but at any rate, um, I know there's a whole lot of us that are cousins, actually. But the thing about about doing the individual test is like when I found out that I'm Igbo in Yoruba, the Igbos have a particular culture. The Yorubas have a particular culture. Like the Yoruba naming ceremony. Um, one of the things that's so great about the Yoruba's naming ceremony is when a baby is had in Yoruba land, the, the, the village, the people in the village, they basically come to the naming ceremony and each family will give something of value and then suggest a name for that child. Now, the thing that's wonderful is the name that they give that child, that family will call that child that no matter what the mother and the father end up calling the child, that family will call that child that name. So I have a friend, she's actually the first female rear admiral on the continent of Africa and also in the nation of Nigeria. But she has 26 names and she knows all of her names. So that means there were 26 different families that basically gave her a name. And then when they see her, they call her that name. They don't call her the name that her parents call her. They call, unless of course, sometimes they give the same name. But if they had a different name, they call her that name. So imagine growing up in this rich environment of, of basically you'll be, you know, each family has some ownership of you and interest in your, your well-being and you're doing well. Uh, she said if she got in trouble, she, she get in trouble with every family before she got home. She said it was just really a formality because she had already been well scolded and, and uh, taken care of before she ever got to the house. Uh, and it used to be like that for the African-Americans, at least in the Old South. My mother told me that it was like that with her, uh, but it's not like that today. No, it that's basically probably where we got it takes a village to raise a child. That's probably mm-hmm. where we got that from. It's okay, in the DNA. Um, it's in, exactly. It's in our DNA. I remember maybe a couple of years ago. I actually have a video about it. I met this. I was. It was at Mardi Gras from New Orleans. And I'm trying to remember where this lady was from. But it was a black lady. She was, she was, from, she was an African lady. And she was married to a white guy from France. Mm-hmm. You know. I have, like I said, I have a video. And I'm going to tag you so you can see it. 
Okay. We have like a we had a Mardi Gras thing going on. We had the Indians, so you know they were doing it. You know we have Mardi Gras Indians here in New Orleans, so they were doing their mm-hmm. chant, beating the drums, and the white guy was like, he was just in another world. So I was like, what's going on? And he said, I just I'm just in, I'm in awe. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I just can't believe that this is so much like home. And I was like, I'm looking at him like, what are you talking about? He's like, that's my wife right there. And his wife was a black, you know, was an African. And he said, uh-huh. it's amazing that you all never met at all but the same thing that they do there we do here he said it's just right. amazing he said he said i'm getting chill bumps and it was crazy like him telling me this story and it's really sad too because i have a white man from france that knows mm. well luckily I, I'm, I'm pretty good with african-american history i'm very, very good with slavery but i mean if i was an average black person this man would probably know more about africa than me mm-hmm Right. But yeah, he was just saying that it's just amazing the uncanny resemblance between what they do in Africa and what we do here. Even though, you know, it's centuries removed, we still do the same stuff. It's in inside of us. I have had that same sense of awe when I visit Africa. Also, you'll find there's so many people that look like people you know. So then I've been saying, okay, well that person is. A Ghanaian, okay, that person's Nigerian. Because I'm thinking about people I went to high school with, think of people I went to college with, colleagues that I work with, and then I see people over here that look like they could be their brother, uncle, mother, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, wow, I'm like, wow. And then some of the mannerisms, like for example, they have, uh, they have uh, in Nigeria it's called igusi soup. Efowiro is one of the vegetable soup. I just use efowiro, vegetable soup. It's most similar to our collard greens. Except they'll put any kind of meat, whatever kind of meat is available. They'll put fresh fish, they'll put dry fish, you know, they'll put beef, they'll put, so they'll just use any kind of fish and they use crayfish like we don't use. So they put more in it than we do in our greens, you know, because in America, we generally use pork or smoked turkey if we're more health conscious, but they put all different kinds. And then their vegetable soup, they have meat in their vegetable soup. So that really took me off because when, I, when we first got here, I went to the, the counter, you know, at the hotel we were at, and I saw vegetable soup. And then when I looked in it, it had meat in it. So I called the person over. I said, hey, I said, uh, I said somebody put the wrong soup. I said, this is says vegetable soup. And she, uh, F-O, E-F-O-R-I-R-O, E-F-O-R-I-R-O, E-F-O-R-I-R-O. It's a Yoruba term. It means vegetable soup. And so the, the, the young lady said, oh, it is for you. That's what they always say. It's so friendly. It is for you. And I said, but it's got meat in it. I said, it says vegetable. She said, oh, no, this that's not a mistake. She said, yeah, vegetable soup has meat in it. I said, well, why y'all call it vegetable? I was, you know, scratching my head. I was like, why you call it vegetable? <laughs> she said, because it has many more vegetables than other soups. And it does. They put much more, it's packed with more vegetables. And so to them, it's vegetable soup because it has more vegetables than the other soups. It doesn't mean that that one has meat in it. The one has meat in it. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the, the food, why do you think, just like uh, you kind of talked about earlier, there's almost all, we, we've tasted Italian food, we know all kind of food, we know Chinese food, but having African food is not very common. Well, at least here. I know in some places where there are a lot of Africans, I think Houston, maybe New York, they may have more African food, but I mean, I live in New Orleans and we don't have many places that's African food. Like it's not many at all. Why do you think that's the, the case? Well, uh, I think there's probably multiple reasons, but the, some of the ones that I think is probably because number one, the the stigma and the institutionalized racism 
Okay, so uh, there's we have been by the negative media advertising made to think that everything African is bad. You know, the average person in America thinks that Africa is a place where there's grass roots, they got cows wandering through the houses, uh, little kids with big bellies and fly, flies on them. Uh, that's that's kind of the image. There's some really crazy questions that uh, like Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie had in France. They did answer some crazy question about, do you have, I, I can't remember what modern thing it was, but they said, do you have that in Africa? Because they really give this impression. They go over there, they take the resources and things like that, and then they they, they try to make us think we don't need to go over there. But yet, you can see the people of the other persuasion, maybe they are packing into Africa. <laughs> they are packing into Africa. But but yet, they try to make us feel, oh, it's dangerous over this. But actually, uh, Ghana was called one of the safest countries, the safest country in continental Africa. And I believe safer than the United States because you know you don't have people just being pulled over. You don't have people like this. The other day, the guy tried to go to the HBCU and was turned away, and then he shot three people. Uh, you know, this is—I don't know how many. I, I can't even remember how many mass shootings there have been in the United States. And then when you have children in school, they're not even safe in school. You know, so uh, they—it's they, kind of like a brainwashing that's been going on, trying to make us think that. Oh, it's so when you think it's negative, you you're not you're not a call for it, so there's no demand for it. So even if it's there, like even the places where there are African restaurants, they probably don't do the kind of business that the other restaurants do because of the negative stereotype. But once my doctor started inviting me to the Independence Day celebrations, and I got a taste of Nigerian food and now Ghanaian food, it is absolutely delicious. Delicious. I, think, I think that's what my family, well, not my family, my ancestry showed. It was a lot of Senegambia. Mm-hmm. I think I had some Mali. I was trying to remember all the places that I had on my, when you said that. Okay, yeah, Senegal, Gambia, and Mali, they're all, that's all, all in the same area, actually. Yeah, so, and I think mm-hmm. that's that's the ones I had. I had a lot of those places. I might have had a little bit. It was a maybe Kenya, but it was it wasn't a lot. But the ones that was the most. But I also read that a lot of people from the south came from the Senegambia region because that's where they brought a lot of slaves from Senegal and Gambia to right. the south. West Africa, yeah, Senegal, Gambia. Uh, you got you got uh, the Ivory Coast. You got Ghana. You got Nigeria. Yeah. Uh, but Togo. Uh, then you got you know so all of those. Yeah, places, I definitely had. Ben, ben in Togo that was on there as well. So yeah, mm-hmm. so I guess that's where a lot of the slaves actually came from. That's for, from the United States. They say the majority of us are descended from our ancestors that were taken from West Africa because it was like the most direct route across. Right. And so yeah, that's 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 pretty accurate. That's what we're seeing a lot of times when people are getting their DNA done, like mine, you know. Not, I had, you know, like I said, on my father's side, Igbo and Yoruba, and on my mother's side, which, you know, when you look at where Nigeria is and where Ghana is, it's only like three countries over. You know, you got Nigeria, Benin, Togo, Ghana. You know, it's it's basically in the same. I mean, somebody could have, because there, there's a tribe in uh, Accra called the Ga tribe, and they are from Nigeria. They 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 migrated over to Ghana years and years ago. But they are, so they speak Ga. They don't speak, tree, tree is what uh, the Ashanti, the Fanti, 
uh, well, the Fonti speak Fonti, but uh, Tree is very similar to what the Fonti speak because they're like kindred, they're like cousins. Uh, so they're kindred. It's kind of like the difference between somebody saying something in a northern accent or a southern accent, where you can say the same word, like, you know, you, you might say yonder in the north, they might say yonder, but in the south they say, oh, yonder, yonder, you know, so right. it's the same right. word. But so it kind of, that's the kind of the Akan tribes, because there's a, there's a Fonti, Ashanti, Aquiapim, and then there's one more that I can't remember. There's four Akan tribes that they're like cousins, but they are different areas of Ghana. You know, the, the Fonti are like close to the coast, take coast, and then the Ashanti, uh, of course, are in the Ashanti region. They have regions in Ghana, and not, not states as well. Okay. Let me also ask a question. It's kind of probably the elephant in the room, but we have a lot of what I know. Well, I don't say what I noticed, but I know there is some kind of I don't even know what word to use, disdain between Africans and African-Americans. So, like, you would think that we would have a little bit more, we would be more close, but I noticed that there's a lot of, like, strife between us. Have you noticed that or anything? Do you know why it's like that? I have noticed that. And when I when I learned that I was Nigerian, uh, even before I changed my name, I joined the local Nigerian association. I let them know that I was Nigerian. And... Uh, I, actually, a lot of them said the same thing. I've heard African-Americans say that, well, Africans don't like us, but I heard a lot of them say that they, they were trying to really reach out to African-Americans and they were rebuffed because they were telling things like, oh, you're taking our job, you sold us, you didn't help us, and this, that, and the other. Um, so what I, what I think is, uh, and then I also learned that there were some uh, Nigerians who told me that when they went to uh, the orientation video that they were shown by the government, it actually told them to stay away from African-Americans. I've heard that from other ethnicities, too, of, of people, not just Africans. They say that they tell them in that orientation video to stay away from African-Americans. Uh, so it's kind of like sowing a seed. And so I think it's a lot of different things like that. The other thing I think it is, is uh, Africans are raised in... And, and for the for the most part, especially people that come over to the United States, uh, raised in an atmosphere where it is really nurturing. Uh, like they have this, uh, I can do anything. I believe I can do anything attitude. And uh, they've been raised in an environment. Now we, of course, in our community as African Americans had that kind of environment. Of course, we know we, we can't just exist in our own community. <laughs> That's the only problem in America. We have to exist in a community that is really against us. And so you look at the difference between the environment that they were raised in and we were raised in, and I think you see it's, it's, it, it could be like a sociological study because when you look at uh, the mark, for example, the fact that there are uh, just different things about the group. So I think all, it, all it's going to take is some open-mindedness between us because what I've seen when 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 Africans of not just Nigerians and not Ghanaians, but Africans could be Kenyans, could be Burkina Faso. When they find out that I'm one of the ones that was, you know, I call us the the hidden diaspora, that and then have found my way back to my people group, they all rejoice. I mean, I have I have experienced joy from so many different Africans, knowing that hey, you you found your way back. You've changed your name. I mean, they. It's just like that. You did what? You changed your name to you know because they're like you're from America and you're changing the name uh, to be 
to reflect the Ghanaian and Nigerian when when the media gives such a negative impression makes you think uh, every Nigerian is a scammer and that that you know nothing good comes out of Africa and you're proud to be I said yes I am very proud because I know once once I did the research did you know that Nigerians and other Africans are the high, most highly educated people in the United States by percentage of people that get degrees. For example, Nigerians get degrees at a rate of more than two to one compared to Native born white Americans. And they get advanced degrees at a rate of more than three to one compared to Native born white Americans. And they and the other Africans, as far as earning money, are the single most successful group that has ever set foot on U.S. soil. They don't want us to know that. Now, the government knows it, but they don't want us to know it. Because if they know it, then they've got to admit when they made statements like they did us a favor, our ancestors a favor by enslaving them, which is some of the kind of crazy talk that's going on now, that we benefited from enslavement. Right, uh, we, learned, we learned the trade. Yeah, they would, they would have to admit that the fact that the most successful group and the highest educated group it's not the Asians like they try to make us think. The Asians are actually after the Africans. It's the Nigerians leading, but then all of the Africans are the most educated group. And then it's the Asians afterwards. And earning goes with that as well. The Africans are the most prolific as far as, I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 3% on average, uh, that you're talking about just the average of, you know, American. And so that is information that they don't want us to know. They, they don't want us to know that it's the most educated group in America, the Africans are. And so then you look at that and you say, well, the Africans and African-Americans have this, the same DNA. We have the same DNA. So we don't have the, the level of achievement that the Africans have, and that's no disparagement towards us because we were raised in a more toxic environment. We weren't raised in, the, you know, except in our communities, of course, we had the, the nurturing environment there. but outside of our communities then you know we, it was a toxic environment where where our ancestors had to get off the sidewalk when somebody of other persuasion was walking on the sidewalk and you know had to endure all kind of things lynchings and things like that and then no justice people getting off there's some so many things that people have never even paid justice for now they, they have it has to this day uh you know there's things that have not been uh, the justice has never been served, but but that's okay because God says you reap what you sow, and uh, they they they're looking for us, but it's not going to come from us; it's going to come from God. That's what I believe. I'm glad you say God because that will lead to my next question. So I am a Christian, so I do believe in God. I read a book that says Christianity before slavery, but a lot of people online and a lot of other people will say that the white man brought Christianity to. Africa, so they say that Africans should not believe black people should not be Christian. What do you think about that? Yes, I know that's a big myth that's out there. Uh, I want to show you this on my book. This this is an ancient Adinkra symbol. These three symbols that you see across the top. This symbol means the supremacy of God. That's what this symbol means. As a matter of fact, there's such culture on this book that I have actually. I tell people that uh, discover the culture in the cover. So when they purchase the book, they can actually get a free fact sheet where I unlock the mystery of all of the culture. I tell them what each one of these Adinkra symbols means, okay? But this one, the reason why there's three, one for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
They knew God long before any missionary ever came to Africa. That's number one. You know, there's just some things that you have to look at. Number two, when, when the Lord when the Lord told uh, the, uh, Joseph and Mary to hide, where did he send? Did he send to Europe? He sent to Africa. Okay. The Bible says he had hair like lamb's wool. Okay. So if they would really look at the word, it's all there. Uh, there's even uh, replicas in uh, Lalibela in Ethiopia, Ethiopia, and some other places around the world that show them as being uh, people of color. So, you know, when you when you have somebody that wants to tell a lie and whitewash and things like that, then you have to just wonder what level of self-esteem you're dealing with. Because if you just have to keep lying, and that's why the foundation of this book is in that poem that God gave me and the way, the way that poem ends is to these two senses. Reject the lies of yesterday, embrace the greatness in your DNA. Okay, so how, I mean, I can see like the different changes you've made. What I, I didn't know you before, but I can see that your life has changed. But how has connecting to your roots really enriched your life? Okay, um, connecting to my roots, first of all, showed me that I am from a people of excellence. I'm, 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 I'm from a people that are the most successful group the most educated group and the most successful group that has ever set foot on U.S. soil, bar none. You name every group from every country. The Africans are the most educated. Uh, the Africans are given so much to culture. The, the Africans are the ones that helped to civilize Europe twice. You know, after the Dark Ages, they went in to help the Moors help to civilize Europe. And it was the Africans that, that, that went over and taught them to not have your animals in the house and brushing teeth and things like that. All, all they have to do is study history. Even the people where they say the, the Greeks were the ones with the philosophy and all of this, they studied in Africa. You look at all of these so-called uh, Greek, uh, the, 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 the fathers of Greece that they say, oh, this is where they, no, they studied in Africa. So once we find our true history, it will give a confidence and it will help because we know our true identity. Uh, it's like the, the very poem that God gave me in Badagory, uh, when I was standing there and the tears were coming down, and I and I and I write about it in chapter one, it's it, it does not matter. It started coming to me. It does not matter what they say. There is greatness in your DNA. The proof is in the lies they choose to tell to make themselves feel superior. They point to chaos in different places, but hide what their hands did to bring it about. There is greatness in us, but they don't want it out. I think they know they could not compete if the field were level and they couldn't cheat. So on they go, lives filled with lies to make pretend and rationalize. They say all is equal. Why do you complain? Pretending that their constant lies have not changed the game and made people perceive just by your skin who should lose and who should win. There are some things you have to know. Don't wait for someone to tell you so. Reject the lies of yesterday. Embrace the greatness in your DNA. I like that. I have a, another question. So what do you think about this uh, 
this new thing, this new, I don't say new, but what do you think about this? The fact that they are saying that Cleopatra is not an African. Have you heard uh, that? I think, I think it's more of the same, you know? They they went and they tried to lighten up in, in Egypt. They tried to lighten up the pharaohs. Uh, the fact is that one of the most, one of the most prominent uh, Romans that ever came to England was, I can't remember his name right now, but he was uh, an African, an African Roman, uh, an African uh, Roman, I think, I'm not sure if he was an emperor, but he was a very important figure and he helped to the, define that the, the borders of London. And uh, they have his name, but they, but even in the bust of him in their museum, they make him look like he's Caucasian. So, you know, you have to ask yourself, the people know, because they know. If they know these things, but they keep on, oh, let's pretend this, let's, let's make them look white, let's make them decision. You have to ask yourself about the level of self-esteem of the people you're dealing with. Because anyone with high self-esteem does not mind getting credit where credit is due. But if you have constant lies being told, you have to just question, where is the level of self-esteem of a people that would do that? Right. In a like to go back to Cleopatra, you know, she actually had, they said that her father was Greek, which is, I'll give it, okay, we, we can even say, even if we say she's mixed, we know when you're mixed with African, you're pretty much considered African. But the reason why I really believe that she would not believe, I know she's black, is mm -hmm. that she had kids with Caesar, the Greek emperor, mm -hmm. and he really couldn't even bring her back, back home. Mm -hmm. He couldn't bring her to Rome, mm -hmm. and she actually had two. I think she had two or three kids for him, but mm -hmm. and that's how you know she's black because he could not even bring her home with the kids. So he had to leave her there. That's how you know because if she was anything else, he would have brought her home, and she would be living in Rome for the rest of her life. But no, mm -hmm. she had to stay in Africa. And then she actually had children for another. Roman emperor after that in the same same situation. They they wanted her killed. In fact, she actually you know she actually killed herself, but they wanted to take her back there and parade her around the town. And they did it to the kids. They were like these little half breeds. They took them around the town and they were supposed to kill them. So that's how I know for a fact that that lady was an African. And she must have been extremely time. beautiful if all of these these emperors wanted wanted her. Right that too yep all right so can you tell us a little bit about your book yes okay so uh after visiting and after learning and you know doing the research and, and having it so change my life and enrich my life and my identity um so many people i started going to events and things like that and uh when I would introduce myself, the people would say, oh, I already know, I already know your story. I already know, I already know who you are. And so, so many people were telling the story. They said, you need to tell the story because this is a great example. And I try to use the, the analogy of the wonderful thing about Roots was the fact that their family maintained their African culture throughout uh, against all odds. And it was just wonderful. And I remember when the, the, the miniseries came on and we were just riveted to the television every night that it came on. Uh, but the only thing it didn't do is it didn't tell me how to connect to mine. So what I do here is I not only I tell people how I connected, but I also tell them how they can connect. 
And I, even, even in the last chapter, which is called the paperwork, I talk about what it took to change my name, how much I paid, you know, some of the things that you're gonna have to do. Now, it'll be different for different states and things like that, but at least it gives people an idea of what they, if they wanna do that. Not everybody's gonna wanna do that, but I'm just saying, they, somebody that does wanna do that, then it shows them, it's kind of like a guide for those that want to. And it kind of gives you an example of the kind of enriched, enriching that could really happen, the life transformation that could really happen in one's life. Uh, if they choose to connect, because like like the full moon, it, you know we have that that dark side. But once I found out what my uh, ancestral connections were, then I lit those I lit those up. I lit up the and so you know it's it's been endorsed by uh, there's back cover endorsements by Ron Dalton of uh, Hebrews to Negroes, as well as uh, the Honorable Abike, who is the chairperson of the Nigerians and Diaspora Commission and some other authors who have given it really, really brave reviews. And uh, when we, we first went on Amazon the from paperback, we actually were the number one in our category. And it, it was not it was number one in our category and it was also the number one new release. You know, they had that on there for a certain amount of time when it first came out. It was, of all the books in that category, it was the number one new release. And uh, my, my, I think my, my publisher, oh, the other thing is, this is an all melanated work. The publisher, uh, the author, the editor, the book launch coach, everybody is melanated. Uh, I used a Nigerian publisher, Warthal, which uh, I don't know if y'all can see the little symbol right there. But, um, uh, and then these are ancient Adinkra symbols from Ghana. And, and we explained that. So it's it's really a it's really a book to uh, it's a compelling inspirational story to help us to encourage us to connect uh, connect so that we don't have to we can be like every other American instead of calling ourselves by a continent. We I can say I know what I am. I'm 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 an I'm an American Ghanaian Nigerian. That's what I am. I'm not just African American. Because African American is 54 countries, but I am an American Ghanaian Nigerian because I know my DNA is from Ghana and from Nigeria, and so that helps to define us and it helps our identity. It helps uh, confidence, and then when you learn that you're from the from a people who are the most educated per per 100, you know per 100 of them, they're the most educated in in the United States and the most successful that have ever set foot on the shores of the United States, it, it can't help but give you uh, a confidence and, and pride in your people. And, and that also, also, always trans confidence always translates into, I think it's improvement in every area of life. You know, not only job, family, imagine what it will do for, the, for our children when we teach them the true history of who they are. I can't remember the study, but they said there was one study that showed that when when uh, when our children are taught their true history, that their their performance level is second to none. Second to none. Mm -hmm. I have another question because I was wrapping up, but I just thought about something else that I wanted to bring up because we we kind of spoke about it before it started. I want to talk about hair. I watch Netflix and I watch a lot of the African series, Blood and Water and stuff like that. There's another one I watch. But I'm starting to notice that there's a lot of Eurocentric hair stuff going on. So 
what do you think about that? Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because um, the most frequent comment that I make in social media is when I see uh, one of our sisters with natural hair, especially if they've got most of their pictures on their profile that have the relaxed or the, or the weave hair, uh, and I see some braids or some afro or something like that, I zero in and I compliment that. And I usually say super dope hair day, you know, super dope hair day, because I want to encourage them because we're in a society that even up to the current day, they have told us that our natural hair is unprofessional. Now, how could the hair that God gave us be unprofessional? No, it's a matter of perspective and opinion, right? And so uh, I understand for many years, our women have had to to get, get a, to keep the job or whatever. They have had to put the relaxer, they've had to put the weave because they had to look more Eurocentric to be able to get the job, keep the job. And it, it, it's basically like the, the doll test. I'm sure uh, you know we're all familiar with that doll test that they did many years ago and they, they repeated it where they gave uh, black children and white children a black and white doll and they said, which one is good and which one is bad? And they said the white doll was good and the black doll was bad. And this just shows you how institutionalized the racism is and the implicit bias that, that Dr. Joy DeGruy talks about in her work. Uh, so that is the, the kind of conditioning. And I mean, this has been going on for more than 400 years. Uh, there's a, a TED Talk, the most popular TED Talk by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, where she says in, I think it was 1500 something, where an Englishman came and I, it's called The Danger of a Single Story. So I encourage people to listen to that TED Talk, Danger of a Single Story. And I think it's the most popular TED Talk ever of all their TED Talks, The Danger of a Single Story. But anyway, well, she talks about how there's an Englishman, I think in the 1500s, that goes to Africa and he says that there's a, that, that Nigerians were beasts, beasts. And he said, they, there's a, a place where they don't have heads on their shoulders, but their eyes and their mouths are in their chest. Now, we, of course, know that that's a fantastical lie, okay? But why was he lying like that? I think probably to help them justify in their mind. You see, you see the favor that we've done, even though everybody that they saw had a head on their shoulders, they're saying, oh, well, they come from a people that have their eyes in their chest, so we're doing them a favor to civilize them. You know, it's, it's to help to appease the mind. So, and that was in the 1500s. So that tells you how many hundreds of years that there's been a negative stereotype about black and African and that, that is being. So, of course, people are going to want to try to, uh, because the dominant culture is, is saying, go this way and you want to try to get a job if you want to be, and they tell you this is unprofessional, to be able to take care of your family. Our women have had to do that. And I know that they've had to do that. It's just now getting to the place where they're having the freedom to wear their natural hair and things like that. And so I try to encourage that as much as I can. And I even love your, your avatar. I told you I complimented you on your natural hair and I love your avatar where you really show the natural hair because I think our natural hair is beautiful. Uh, no, there's no one that can do with their, with their hair what we do. And sometimes I see some of these people, these Instagram influencers, and when they all they're doing is showing their beautiful natural hair. Some of them have so many followers. <laughs> I said, wow. And all they, all they do, take a picture or a reel, and they show their beautiful natural hair. They walk down the street with their beautiful natural hair, and then they got all of these likes. 
you know, they do beautiful sales. You're telling the truth because uh, a couple of years ago, probably about two years ago, I went viral on TikTok. So we had millions, I think two million views. And it wow. all, all it was was and I got like 30,000, 40,000 followers, all because my daughter was brushing her hair and it's curly. Mm -hmm. So she was brushing it and then it would pop up and it would mm -hmm. rise up. And they took the sound away from it. But on a on a on a video, my daughter said, she's like seven, and she says, My hair is alive. My hair is alive. Yes. And it just went viral. And everybody just thought I, and I didn't even think it was that big, but everybody mm -hmm. just thought that was so profound. She was like, My hair is alive because it was literally moving so it was like here and then it, it crunched you know it was shrinkage and then it went all the way up like it really was alive and it was just amazing and we had so many different views in fact she even made a little book because everybody was like you better make her make a book you better copyright like they they were really on it so bravo, bravo, yeah bravo. that was a real it's called my hair is alive and it was, it was a really it was big and then the, the thing is my daughter she had issues because she has curly hair and mm -hmm. um she went to school with a lot of people with not curly hair so mm -hmm. as a baby she would not let her hair be wild at all it would she had to wear a ponytail every day of her life because if i would let it loose she would cry and say this is ugly hair i don't like this hair mm -hmm. and she was a baby mm -hmm. she was right. two and it's like it's yeah. amazing how these kids pick that up but that video, that's that video kind of comes full circle because now she's seven, eight, and now she loves her hair. The same hair she was crying about four years ago. So well, right she's got a whole model of a mother who is showing her natural hair too, you see? Yes. That's, that's huge. Um, my daughter, uh, years ago, um, when I, I suggested to my now ex-wife um, she wanted to go natural. I encouraged her. I said, "Yes, definitely go natural." And then my daughter said, "She wants to go natural." So my daughter, she's now 22. She's been natural for like, I think she's 12. She's been natural for 10 years. Beautiful natural hair. Uh, but you see, I think that the fact that you, what you talk about, there's a hunger for that because that is who we are. That is who we are. That is that is saying, "Hey, we are exceptional." Well, our hair is exceptional. And then you, you see other people, what, what we don't realize, we, other people are copying off of us. When they when they get that hairspray to make their hair stand up, our hair stands up naturally. When they get that hairspray to make their hair stand up, that's just copying off of us. When they, you know, to, to make their, their hair stand up and not just look loose, right? Uh, to go into that tanning salon and get that, that, that darkness. Or, or even one presidential candidate he wouldn't get in front of the camera without, you know, putting a little orange, you know, around there. Make sure that you can tell from around the eyes that that's not really what he looked like. But he said, hey, I look better with a little with the color on there. So I tell people, don't stop listening to what they say. Just watch what they do. Look, mm. they're the most copied people on the planet. This is what I tell people. We are the most copied people on the planet. And you only copy what you admire. If you are copied, that means you're exceptional. But if you've had a 500-year negative stereotype, lies told about you, but they still copy you, that means you're super exceptional. I just saw a clip on Instagram. And it was a bunch of, I think they were either Korean, Japanese, uh, young men, and they had the fraternity jackets, and they were doing stepping, copying off of exactly what we do. And they were having such fun. I, I'm not. I'm not saying because some people say, "Oh, Coach Brown, you ain't." I said, "Look, people, when they're doing this, they're telling you 
how great your culture. They said, yeah, but they, they like the culture, but then they, they don't like us. I said, but the fact that they like your culture tells you you're exceptional. Start loving who you are, and they're going to copy you some more. <laughs> See, we have to just throw off the lie. That's why the, the basis of, of what I'm trying to do to help us to connect is first help us to just, those two lines, reject the lies of yesterday. Embrace the greatness in your DNA. We are exceptional. We are exceptional. And it's just the way God made us. Okay. Love it. So how, I know you said Amazon. How can we buy your book? And how can we follow you? Let everybody know how to follow you. Okay. Um, on Instagram at underscore found my people. Underscore found my people on Instagram. Uh, and then we're also at embrace your DNA on Instagram. Embrace your DNA. And uh, you can go to foundmypeople.com for the book because uh, I have it on USA Global and Africa. And so there's an outlet we have in Africa for people that are on the African continent. And then outside of Africa, they can go to, there's a one button that says USA and Global. If you're outside of Africa, click on that button to buy and then it'll take you to the closest Amazon to you. And then if you are in Africa, just click on the Africa button. So foundmypeople.com. I tried to make it very easy because I actually found my people. Oh, there's one more quick poem I want to give you because it's a poem titled by the book, Found My People. I found my people. You can too. There's a people for me and a people for you. Like a door that you found in your house that is new with elaborate furnishings all belonging to you. A people who will welcome and make you feel new. I found the people for me. Now find the people for you. I like that. Okay. So, as we have come to the end, I ask a question to everyone. And that question is, if you can go back and talk to 17-year-old Richard and tell him something about what he was he is about to go through, what would you tell Richard? I would tell Richard to... Remember, because it was about that age that I read Eldritch Cleaver's Soul on Ice. And I saw over all of this time how true it was. I would tell Richard, pay close attention to this. There are lies that are being told about you and your people. You all are exceptional. You can do anything you want to do. Uh, it may be that you have to go east to Africa. I'm not saying that you can't make it in America. You can, but... There's something about going to a place where you don't have the same kind of prejudice, even though there's challenges in Africa too. There's challenges anywhere you go. I'm not saying there's any place that's going to just be, you know, all sunshine and rainbows. But, uh, you know, to know that you can go and not have to worry about, you know, a policeman shooting you and just pulls you over and you got your hands up where everybody can see it. And they, oh, I thought I pulled my taser out. I'm sorry he's dead, you know. Um, that, that it, it makes a difference. So, uh, I will tell a lot of, I would, I would tell him, you know, go ahead, do what you want to do here. Start looking towards Africa. Visit, find out where you're from. Find out what tribes are in your blood because you are from a great people and you are exceptional. That's what I would tell him. All right. I love it. Okay. So again, I want to say thank you, Richard. This has been a a very um, profound hour speaking with you and it, it went kind of quickly. It did. Um, it's hard to I'm, believe that an hour's up already. 
Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad because a lot of people need to have this conversation. Like I say, luckily, I'm one of those people that's very interested in African-American history. And I need to get more interested in African history, but I, I'm pretty well versed in African-American history. I love slavery. I love reading about civil rights, not civil rights, the civil war, all that good stuff. That's that's my thing. So I really do appreciate this conversation with you because this is more that I can expound on to learn more about my people and embrace myself so hopefully the next time i see you or talk to you i will also embrace uh, my dna because i am going to do the ancestry not the ancestry i'm gonna do the african ancestry right so that i can see exactly where i'm from and i do encourage the listeners as well to find out your dna because you know a lot of times we want to find ourselves but we don't even know who we are. And a lot of times it's because we, we literally don't know who we are. Our parents don't know, the grandparents, and so on and so forth. I had a white guy on my show yesterday, young white guy. And I don't know, I don't, I mean, I don't mean to call him white, but I mean, you know, he is. But he lives in, he had a whole thing about him living in Cape Town. He was saying it's the most beautiful place in the world. He lives in Africa and he loves it. So it's like a lot of other people see the beauty in something that a lot of I us don't see. They're yeah, trying to make us see. afraid, but believe me, there's not a time that I fly over that there are not people of the other persuasion going yes. to Africa. Yes, yes. He, moved, he moved there. He moved. I mean, he said he has a house there. Uh, he lives in Colorado, and then he also lives in, in Cape Town. Mm -hmm. So we need to start embracing it more. We need to start. I'm scared of that long plane ride, but we need to start embracing ourselves more so that we can mm -hmm. probably have better self-love because it's like we talked about 10 10, 15 years ago, our hair was, you know, something to be embarrassed about. That was something that we didn't like. We always had to straighten it, but now we're embracing it more. So I think that finding ourselves and our DNA can help us to do that. It can. So it definitely will. Yeah, and it will. So again, thank you for coming on. I thank you all for thank listening. You so much I hope you learned a lot. I heard. I, I hope that you all learned. Not you. Not you. I know you learned a lot. I mean, you you've taught a lot. I'm talking about like the the listeners. I hope that they listened and they learned a lot. And I hope that they. You taught me some things too. Really? I'm glad. Um, well, I you hope told me they... about the, the place, the, the 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 place in uh. uh oh, Boston. Yes, yeah, so Boston. In Boston, you know? there's another one in Memphis. Yeah. See. Then then DC has you one. You told me about your, your your video going viral where your daughter was just. Doing the hair, and I was telling you how, you see? And that talks about the hunger that we have to fully express who we are. And we need to know that we need to reject the lies. It's been lies. We've been lied to. It's time to reject those lies. Time to look in the mirror and tell ourselves we are exceptional. We are exceptional. I mean, we're not lying to ourselves when we say that. We are telling the truth. We're throwing off the lie. And we're telling ourselves we are exceptional because we are. We are truly, truly exceptional. And that is yes, what connected my roots has shown me. It has really helped my identity, my confidence, and everything more than ever in my life. Yes, yes. Okay. So, again, I really enjoyed it. Of course, of course. So, thank you guys for staying with us this entire time. I hope you learned something. Make sure y'all leave a comment and let Richard know that when you do find yeah. out where you're from make sure you, you know you, you you tag us you send this information to us let me know I'm, I'm really heavy on this like i'm being serious I'm, right? I'm, really I'm, heavy. I'm so excited this is part of my passion is connecting those that are disconnected back 
uh, you know, my passion. There's over 200 million of us, and let's get us connected back to find out where we're from, connect to that culture, that identity, and that delicious food. Okay, I'm telling you, we were, we've been missing, and it's time for us to catch up. All right. Okay. So if y'all if y'all have done one of those tests. Hit us in the comments and let us know what's going on. So, you know, like I said, we got to keep up with each other. And mm -hmm. if the Lord says the same, I will see you all next week. Thank you so much for joining. See you later. See you later. You let me know when you get yours, too. I want to I wanna know what 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 uh, people group you're, you're connected to. Well, put t put your guess in first. What you think? I What you think? I kind of gave you a hint already because I saw it was Senegambia. But what, what do you think? I'm what do you think the high percentage? Senegalese Gambia. <laughs> Oh, you're cheating. <laughs> you're cheating. Well, it'd be crazy not to say that, but you said that that's what you're Right. I mean, but I can't remember what was the highest, but I believe it was. a little bit of Kenyan, too. Kenyan? Because I said that. You've been listening, huh? <laughs> All right. I see you listening. I see you listening. But now, right, let's see what, what the, what the, what the, what the uh, one with the tribal test tells you. That's okay. going to be interesting. And then when you get that travel test, then it's time to do the research about about that tribe. It's trying to try to connect with people on on uh, things like LinkedIn and Instagram and things like that that are of that tribe. And so you'll find a lot of Africans will love the fact that you want to know more, and they will tell you, and they'll help you to learn the language. You know, I have uh, in my memo, I have one uh, area for each language that I'm learning. The one, you know, the, the, so Igbo, Yoruba, Twi. And I just added Swahili. Somebody just told me something today on Swahili. So I said, okay, let me go Swahili. So I know, you know, how to say, oh, what, welcome there, I think. I have to okay. Check it Can't do it by memory yet, but I have to check it up. But it's in there. Yeah. Okay. So it, right. it will enrich your life. It's going to enrich your life. It's going to enrich your life. Just, yeah. So I am excited for us. I am really excited for us. The same here. So. We're going over our time. But it's good, though. So I will see you all. If the Lord says the same, I will see you all next Amen. week. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye now.